Hey guys, welcome to today's episode of People's Stories. Today we are going to discover one of the most prestigious and premier careers the Indian setup could have. Yes, it is the Indian Administrative Services, also known as IAS. So IAS is the branch of Indian Civil Services and one of the jobs that not only provides plethora of opportunities if in case you want to create a real difference but also excellent monetary compensation and several perks and privileges as you would already be knowing. So without any further ado, let's get right into the episode. Hello people. Welcome to People's Stories. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm your host Priyanka Oja and I hope you enjoy the session. Hey guys, welcome, welcome again. Thank you so much for staying tuned in. Before we jump into the episode, if in case you guys are interested to know about more career opportunities, about what people exactly do or just behind the scenes of people's stories, feel free to follow us on Instagram or just send me a connect invite on LinkedIn. And now as I already discussed, today we are going to talk to an IAS officer. His name is Dr. Rohit Singh Malan. Rohit has been extremely kind to share his entire personal and professional journey with us and considering the intellectual person that Rohit is I am sure you're going to have as much fun listening to this episode as much as I am having while recording it so thank you so much Rohit for being here it's an absolute pleasure to have you Hi Priyanka I'm very happy to be here today thank you for this opportunity And a little more about Rohit before he can introduce himself. Rohit is working as an allied officer in the IAS. So basically, he's a defense estate officer with the Ministry of Defense in the Government of India. Rohit, anything that you want to say? How would you introduce yourself? Uh, hi guys, this is uh, Dr. Rohit Singh Malan. I am a physician turned civil servant. Uh, I belong to the 2015 batch. of uh, officers i am uh, i am a group a officer in the government of india and uh, i come after clearing the civil services exam which is conducted by the union public service commission in india so you are uh, from northern india right uh, yes i come from a small village it's called kamalpur and it's there in uh, western up it's like really small it barely has 2500 population <laughs> Okay so for people who do not know uh, UP is a state in India it's called it's it's named as Uttar Pradesh which is again a northern part of um, the country so Rohit what are your hobbies how what do you do apart from work um as of today i can say that in the near past i have completed my scuba diving course so oh. i am a licensed scuba uh, open water diver and apart from that i am into air rifle shooting uh with my 0.22 caliber air rifle then other than that i have played badminton for like more than a decade and i continue to do so with the army over here sounds really really interesting i mean i generally do not know i think i do not know anyone who knows how to shoot like you are the first person i know who knows how to shoot like professionally <laughs> Um I won't say professional I haven't like competed in professional championships uh, or anything but it's a hobby and I think I'm decent at it <laughs> I'm not that great <laughs> And so about scuba diving are there like places where you can really learn how to scuba dive or I mean you are you were at a training school right Absolutely so there are 
uh, organizations uh, and I'll, I I think I'd like to talk about organizations which have their presence and their footprint on a global level. I trained with an organize in association with an organization called PADI, P-A-D-I, it's an acronym. So PADI has a lot of instructors on a global level. Uh, I think it's professional association of diving instructors. I made a guess. I don't know how accurate I am. No, that's correct. I just Googled it. <laughs> okay. So it has a huge network on a global level. The number of destinations in which your paddy license works is like phenomenal. And I trained with a great guy called Bharat and uh, it had three modules. I completed two of my modules in 2018 and got done with uh, the third module in May 2019. So it, I took about eight months to do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, where did you learn it? Are there like specific areas where you can learn scuba diving in India? Right. So the first two modules I did, they are in a controlled environment. And I did that in the district uh, pool facility in Pune. And the third module, which is like the hands-on experience in the seawater, I did that uh, from the shores of Netrani Island. Um, that's off the Karnataka coast. Okay. Okay. Sounds interesting. Okay. So now I want to um, understand about your professional career. Um, and you said that you are a doctor. So you are a physician and then you turned um, into this administrative services. So how, what happened? Like, wh- why did you switch and what happened exactly? So, uh, I think as far as my memory goes, I was done with my 10th standard exams. I had absolutely no clue what to do. So, I somebody told me that people who are a little intelligent, they should try to become doctors or engineers. I asked my dad, if, do we have a doctor in our family? He said no. So, I was like, okay, let me give it a try. So, that's how my journey started on the medicine uh, aspect and I got in at a couple of places. I I made a choice and finally went ahead with a very cool college in India. It's currently ranked number three. Uh, it's called the University College of Medical Sciences. It's affiliated with the University of Delhi. And so this was in 2007 when I went in. Uh, in early 2013, I got done with my internship and all. And by that time, I had a couple of seniors who uh wrote the civil services got selected uh were posted were undergoing training as assistant commissioners in various departments so i got in touch with them got to know more about the exam got to know i'm eligible so i started preparing this was probably in feb 2013 a month after i completed my mbbs so i started preparing i wrote my exam in 2013 i could not clear the second stage so I reappeared in 2014 and by the grace of God and blessings of my parents, I got through uh, all the three stages and my result got declared in July 2015. That's how I am a 2015 batch officer. Mm-hmm. So you're working for approximately five years now? Yes. Okay. So Rohit, um, to me, it looks like this is not a straight process. Like this is not a straight journey. So you first pursued MB- uh, MBBS and then you pursued um, civil services. But for somebody who wants to get into this area, uh, into civil services, what advice would you give? Like, what, how should they go around for it? Uh, for civil services, you need to be a graduate in order to take the exam. And uh, a lot of people uh, have this dilemma as to which is the field we should graduate in, which would facilitate our entry into civil services. Uh, because of the statistics, I would not 
recommend that anybody chooses his subject of graduation and uh, on the basis of his aspiration to become a civil servant because you really don't know if things go south for you and you're not able to make it for any xyz reason you need to be with a subject with a qualification in which you're interested in and would like to make a potential career out of it for the rest of your life so uh, i made this choice when i had to i was like i would like to practice medicine uh, so i went for um, medicine and this was the time when i knew that there is something called as a civil service i did not go much into it uh, but i was like okay let me just get into medicine uh, i want to study it and then maybe at the end of it i'd like to evaluate so this would be the foremost advice uh, get yourself a good graduation degree something which you believe you are passionate or at least interested in and which you would look at as a potential career for the rest of your life then i think towards the fag end of your graduation you need to start gathering information civil services exam is it's a marathon it uh, it is a 10 month long journey which starts with prelims then goes on to mains and then the interviews and there is elimination at every step so you need very good material and the very good material is very basic they are not looking for uh absolutely correct answers but on the exam definitely looks for articulation and uh, somebody who can present himself in a very cogent manner so and uh, if you look at it if you look at the question paper you will soon realize the question paper is not about the right or the wrong of things it's about eliciting opinions and chalking a way out or a way forward because that is i think that is what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. once you enter the service yeah so uh, rohit ben when whenever i have seen uh, how to like how ias aspirants prepare for this exam um i've always seen that you need to work you need to study like 15 or 16 hours in the day and you have to be super good with um uh, general knowledge and a lot of other content right you should be good with essays and uh, expressing your opinion as you already mentioned uh is it true is it true that you need to do so much to get through this exam uh the number of things you're supposed to have a uh, touch with is i mean the list is unending you know there's a reason why uh, if i tell you about my time we had uh, the year i completed that is the year 2014 there were 960000 applicants for 1000 vacancies so that's a 99.9% failure rate <laughs> <laughs> and if but if you check out the scores of the people who made it they did not score 90% or 80% or even 70% in the exam mm-hmm. people with 40% or 45% 47% 48% if you are able to score 48% in the civil services exam you you become an officer so what it tells you is that it's okay to not know things it's okay to not be aware uh, of a lot of things you just have to make sure that you know more than the rest mm-hmm. so um, i mean rohit i think in general um what you should prepare and, and how you can prepare all that is already available um on a lot of platforms you know what i also want to understand from you is the attitude the attitude that you need so what was your attitude when you were preparing or when you decided that you want to get into civil services or administrative services 
the answer to that question i don't know how you'll and how will the listeners react to it but i think i should not be trying to sugarcoat things or uh, put it in a very uh, what should i say sweetened manner the reality is that i wanted to give the exam it was a gamble which i took in my life and uh, did it bring its share of anxiety definitely did did it bring share of uh, sacrifices it uh, i had to make it definitely did i made those sacrifices and uh, at the end of the day i had to come to terms with it that the result is definitely not in my hands mm-hmm. what is in my hands is just one thing to turn the pages of the book and that is all i did the entire year mm. and when you mentioned sacrifices what sacrifices did you had to do uh i got into like really cool jobs at really good hospitals in delhi and uh, i tried to study but you know being so junior just out of the college you would be put on emergency duties you're working like 24 hours in very critical situations i was in the cardiac care unit i was there in the icus so it 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 used to be very taxing mm-hmm. so i came to this conclusion i won't be able to prepare if i continue to do emergency duties in the hospitals every third day every okay. fourth day at least so i had to make this call i left my job i resigned i wanted that head space i wanted that uh space in my life to imbibe new subjects i you know being a medical graduate i was reading books on indian history world history geography subjects like ethics uh apart from the science and tech stuff so that was definitely tough i wasn't working and you know it sucks to not be working when once you get out of college uh what else apart from that uh, i i think i got a little secluded i again it was the aim was to create that kind of headspace and i would i limited myself uh, socially and personally so you know either i was studying or i was thinking about studying okay i mean you were kind of completely into this uh, into- i was completely into it and it did take its toll it wasn't a, it wasn't a cakewalk it wasn't a ride it had its toll uh, so many things happened you as i said uh, it's bit of the anxiety that comes with it mm. the uncertainty were people also questioning you like were they saying that okay you are already a doctor you can earn so much or you can already make a career out of it why do you want to now pivot i still get that i still get that <laughs> i mean i remember the my director general asking me the same questions once i entered the service okay yeah so it was always there but thankfully not from the side of people that mattered which is my family mm. they were like super supportive mm. again it was because once i took the once i was about to take the decision i asked my dad to be have a civil servant in my in our family so he was like no so i was <laughs> like okay let me try why was that important for you why was it important for you to have somebody from that area uh it was it was one of it was one of the many factors that uh, went into my decisions okay yeah you so, wanted to get an ex- sort of an experience as to what what could you expect out of it definitely that was there it was definitely there and because i wanted to be on the other side to know how it feels and okay. uh, i just i and i knew from the beginning that it could it would be a little positive a little negative 
and i had to be okay with it and even today i am okay with it in fact i have had a great experience government of india has given me a very good exposure at a very early age and so early on in my career so rohit i mean i'm still i'm still curious what was driving you like why did you want to get into administrative i wanted to break a glass ceiling which was which was coming out of my comfort zone to begin with and striving to be somebody was this thing also in your mind that when you become an ias officer you'll get that kind of reputation that kind of uh, lifestyle you know was this also a motivating factor i at that time did no did not really know a lot about the reputation and the uh, bombers of flamboyant lifestyle in that great detail uh, but what i knew was that the people who are there up on that side of the table they have the decision making power and every decision carries a weight and impact which is more than uh, what you see generally uh, what i figured was that i am today treating patients over the counter over the table but what if i could go a few steps up the ladder and could influence have a role to play in the policy aspects of maybe healthcare or other things uh, what if i could influence healthcare of people on a grander scale yeah okay was there any incident that led you to think in this way i mean any mm. anything specific in your personal life that probably you saw or experienced over the time i did realize that uh, you there are certain things which are essential in life and uh, security is one of them and over the time certain experiences did make me feel that security has its derivation from power both inside and outside you need to be mentally strong to feel secure at the same time you need to have if you have a certain social standing and uh, a certain platform uh, in which you are in control of certain aspects it does you know your security does tend to derive from that it was definitely there so yes that again that was one of uh, a certain bunch of factors that led me to that journey i i just like to clarify one thing once i got into the thick of things and i was in the middle uh, and it was like arya par hmm. none of <laughs> none of the aspects of the paraphernalia and uh, the lavish lifestyle and all i i don't rem- i don't remember considering them even once all i w- i could think about was getting a job yeah. that's it that's it <laughs> so uh, for all the listeners who do not know what arya par means it basically is uh hook i mean uh, either this way or that way you know it's either uh, it's do or die yeah do or die situation so uh but rohit did you being from the medical ba- like for you having this medical background was this like did it give you any kind of edge over the other candidates or it did not really matter there it had two aspects uh the positive thing out of it was that i was habituated uh to give long hours on the study table mm. coming from the medical background and the negative aspect would be you have such a hard time convincing uh the interview board that you want to make a switch from medicine to civil services okay. that is one of the toughest things for all the doctors who are trying to uh crack civil services what did you say i was just i i just tried to be honest I, and i told them the same thing that 
I I was pursuing medicine. I got to know about uh, something called as a civil services. When I got to know about it, I got curious. I got to know that you know if you are a civil servant, you the impact your decisions have, the impact you are able to make on the society on a daily level, it tends to be larger hmm. than what it is uh, compared to treating patients over the table. And that's exactly what I said. And lastly, I checked the eligibility. I was eligible. So I wrote the exam. Mm, okay. And uh, so now let's, let's talk a little more about what do you do exactly right now? So now you are working as a defense estate officer. What does it mean? What do you do? Uh, okay. So as a defense estate officer, it, in a in a broad nutshell, I would say I am the... Uh, immovable asset advisor and auditor to the armed forces and i'm currently working with the indian army and the indian air force so um i'd say i my office deals with three kinds of stakeholders one is the general public uh, we rehabilitate them if their land was acquired for defense purposes uh, second would be the armed forces uh we try to help them with a lot of their projects uh we try to help them from the immovable asset point of view mm-hmm. uh, what does immovable asset mean immovable asset is land and everything which is built on the land land uh, is a limited I mean, from resource an army perspective what what would it mean okay so if there's a military station army decides that we need uh, a permanent settlement or a permanent presence needs to be there in the in a particular location xyz mm-hmm. so it will tell our department and as a defense estate officer it will be my job to get that land handed over to them and okay. that's a long drawn out process in which that land belongs to the state government or maybe to a private individual and it has to be bought by the ministry of defense uh, and then handed over to the armed forces so a lot of stakeholders are involved uh, the people the land belongs to they have to be rehabilitated and they need to be satisfied with the rehabilitation so all those aspects are uh, are in the jurisdiction of my office and lastly if there are any disputes between with private parties or the private parties with the indian armed forces and something like that concerning various issues um then uh, my office has the mandate to defend the union of india in the court of law so currently we have uh, my office is defending the union of india up till the supreme court i mean i'm trying to understand uh, would people generally um i they're mean they're very I, happy they're, they're happy. very happy <laughs> that the union of india wants their land really okay yeah okay i mean it's not like the movies right so in movies generally you see that um, no 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 coercive action nothing it has to be peaceful because otherwise the litigation doesn't end no what is the point of uh taking somebody your own citizens land by force it doesn't look good mm-hmm. so does your job require you to do a lot of communication with people are you typically required to do a lot of um travel and communication uh traveling is a lot because my jurisdiction spans i think approximately some a little less than maybe 250 kilometers so my jurisdiction is currently in about six or seven districts uh, of two different states so traveling is definitely something which is uh, a prerequisite to like do my job 
and as for the public uh yes it's definitely a public office and everything but then the public aspect is generally undertaken by the state government when such projects are undertaken because state government is it has its presence on the route mm-hmm. uh and the first transaction that take place the private party will give his land to the state government and not to the central government is the state government which hands it uh, which hands it over to us also from a looking at it from a uh, professional and personal balance how how do you see it uh, do you have time for yourself and your family or are you like super occupied with work uh it depends it's in phases i'd say there are certain projects uh there are certain flagship projects or schemes of the government and once that happens if you're involved in any of those projects then uh you tend to be comparatively busier uh one of such projects is currently underway it involved a lot of technology training to uh understand that particular kind of technology etc so it's uh, those are the things that make it a little um, occupying i'd say and because once it's again it's like coming out of your comfort zone you set out to do anything obviously you will be having bumps and all sorts of bumps and uh, in administration you know it's you cannot really predict the kind of problem that would come up next so you try to sort it out once uh, one by one and you just try to take the next step and things do fall in place as far as a personal life is concerned i think uh, i think it's a it's a good balance i can i don't think it will be right on my part to complain government of india has been very kind to me in the last 5 years you are in general happy with the kind of balance that's there yeah especially as a defense state officer uh, the balance is like more in my favor uh, compared to what i was doing 3 years back when i was uh, the chief executive of one of the military uh, cantonments so compared to that i would definitely say i'm like way better off okay when it comes to the work life balance okay that's that's good to hear and um i mean i think ruid there are there are multiple uh, multiple areas i really want to explore with you but i i want to sp- stick more towards the professional uh, setup of things and um if you look at your life like if you look look at recent events or activities that have happened in your life and if you reflect back and think about some incident or experience where you felt like i need to uh, you know change my attitude or change my thought process or need to um, i don't know improvise on on how you are right now can you share any such experience of yours um yeah i think uh, we'll have to go back like 3 years from now when i was uh, i was a chief executive officer of one of the cantonments and uh, that was like a hardcore public office when public would be just swarming in the office in and out on a on an everyday basis and you're supposed to give all kinds of services other than law and order our officers in charge of anything from a simple tap connection to creating a sewage treatment plant for the population um so what i realized was that uh one size is, does not fit all uh the kind of diversity with which you know a society the kind of diversity which a society has in terms in terms of i'd say mindset you know uh once you're a service provider the public demands services and you suppose they're right in doing that 
but the degree of satisfaction for them is different what they expect uh, out of the same thing you know uh, let's just take an example if if uh, somebody wants a simple tap connection for water in his household uh there's a person who is ready to wait 2 weeks there's a person who wants it done within 2 days and there's a person who wants it done by today evening you know it's a very small example it's a very very small example and the same goes for my staff actually you know the people who are there on the other side of the table uh they have their own ways of functioning they have their own uh, priorities in life uh initially i'd say i would not understand that you know why is this person not diligent enough why is this person not proactive enough why is this person not uh maybe drafting letters very well why are there grammatical errors in the letter which are going to the higher authorities so over the time i realized india particularly is so diverse in uh, you know there are so many micro cosms and micro societies in our society in terms of in terms of socio political economic cultural factors you know uh in the same office people hold people with the same duration of seniority there will be a difference in the way they speak in the way they think uh the level of their education the level up to which they imbibed their education their proficiency to communicate etc so i realized that i need to be okay with it you know if one guy is good at a particular thing it's not very correct on my part to expect the same kind of proficiency from the other guy because he would have some other strength which probably the first guy wouldn't have and i had to be okay with it i had to be okay with uh the overall how people are you know and uh, so a lot of things which were which are theoretical we know that what is right what is wrong how a thing has to be done in a very streamlined manner in a manner which in which it is done in a very efficacious way in the shortest period of time but then all these practical reasons come i'd like to give you an example uh it was the year 2017 i had just got my first field assignment there and uh, i couldn't understand that why are the people in charge of giving demand notices for tax why are they not using their computers you know it's very convenient you, you have the database fed in you just need to print out the tax demand notices and send it across now the person who was in charge of that particular division he was a 59 year old man mm. <laughs> he did not see he did not visualize or see a computer for the first 45 years of his life yeah exactly yeah okay and at 45 he was told you need to use your computer to to do your job he was probably trained but at 45 it's difficult exactly i mean you you've supposed to change your whole uh area or mode of working right so yes yeah i remember i remember this one time when i got a little anxious and i was like why are you not using your computers you haven't even switched on your computers which are there on your desk hmm. and the kind of reply i got he trusted his manual work of matching things in his registers to be more efficient than using a computer he was so sure that the computer is going to make a mistake <laughs> Yeah yeah I, I totally get what you're saying yeah it's it's difficult uh, and Rohit you also spoke about um bla- about right and wrong or you know black and white 
of things and because you are on the other side of the table how do, what do you think about it in general in general in life because when we are in school or uh, you know when we are growing up we are always taught about doing the right thing and you know always uh, weighing things across and then deciding what is wrong what is right what do you, what is your comment on that um first of all the i don't think there's a universal definition of what is right had that been the case you know there would have been a society which would have drafted the perfect constitution of the world uh, of their nation and the other nations would have replicated it you know this is the absolute Actually, truth let's replicate of, that yeah constitution of world sounds good i mean we have just one constitution and everybody is following that yes but the fact is that our own constitution has been amended more than 120 times mm Right. I, I honestly i feel it should have been more oh <laughs> um, yeah probably yes given the given the diversity and so many factors that i mean i won't be surprised if the number of amendments go up and they i think you know the times are changing you have the kind of diversity you have so all of that makes sense but what i'm trying to get at is that uh again deriving what is right is a matter of hit and trial uh I can easily think of a lot of things which were not right just two decades from now, but they are acceptable and they are a matter of activism as of today. That you know, this particular thing is not wrong because of various on various grounds. You know, taking it from a natural angle, taking it from uh, a moral angle, taking it from uh, an individualistic angle. So. why when you're there in administration you tend to get a lot of uh, you tend to understand a lot of things uh, again i'll like to give you an example as per the law you are not supposed to have uh, unauthorized vendors on the street it causes congestion it causes a lot of problems but then the area in which i was serving it was so remote okay hmm. you know it was a matter there that vendor would probably be a guy Who was the sole breadwinner for his yeah family? Yeah, when you get into those root issues, right? I mean, it it becomes a little difficult, and that's where where I'm I was coming from. Um, so when we are right out of school, you know, fresh out of school, we have this thought process, or also when we are a little more younger, you know, in in our early twenties, you have this thought process: I'll change the world, and if I get into you know, especially administrative services, you are like, okay, I'll change everything, and um, or if you get into law, for example. has that become subtle over time has this first of all did you had this kind of thought process and has it become subtle over time i probably had this when i was in 7th or 8th standard <laughs> okay and uh, but later i realized am i the most intelligent guy of my generation no am i the most intelligent guy ever to be born no that means a lot of people who were more much more energetic much more brainy than i am they have already taken birth they have probably done their part and gone from this earth and the world is the way it is <laughs> i think that's like a such a such a nice perspective honestly rohit i also wanted to understand from you was there ever a time when you felt like you have not met your own expectation yes regarding that i'd just like to share that i am according to myself i'm not the most intelligent or the most brainy but i'm definitely the most self critical person i know and i'm like super duper judgmental about myself <laughs> I, i i get that feeling uh, very frequently actually as i said i could not make it through in my first attempt that was in 2013 
that was obviously you know it's a it's a very long process it's a painstaking process so you don't you don't feel great and uh, to uh, be more articulative i'd just like to tell you i was on an emergency duty it was probably 7 7:15 pm you know i was there in the icu uh, looking after patients and i got this message that the results are out i checked it up and i did not make it and i could not even grieve properly because i had to be there in the hospital for another 14 hours oh okay what do you typically do to get out of that uh, self analysis i mean of course you should do that but then it's not also healthy to do it over a long period of time right you should get your motivation out of it and then start doing what needs to be done you just answer it yourself you need to do what has to be done that's it Honestly speaking ever since I passed class 12th you know my parents have always been like okay Priyanka you can definitely do IAS you know prepare we'll give you the time we'll give you the freedom but I don't know I mean I think everybody like at least in the northern India I feel at least in uh, states like Uttar Pradesh and um, the surrounding states I think it's very very looked after to get into administrative services right it's never too late <laughs> What is like the high? What is like the age limit now? Ah, uh, it's thirty-two. Hmm. So I don't have a lot of time then. <laughs> you just need one attempt to make it. I mean, that's what I said. So even if I would have gotten the second attempt, I would have been happy. <laughs> okay. Uh. Yeah. So Rohit, I think. Um. I think it's 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 really nice to understand. Uh. Your life from a more professional perspective, but I now I also want to get your, um, idea of what do you think about being, um, happy. And when I say happy, I mean, what I personally feel is when you feel fulfilled, when you feel like you have done what you are expected or supposed to do for that particular day. If you've done that, you're happy. But is that also something that you share or do you have another definition of happiness and how do you look at success um okay so i think i am a guy for whom the definition and the criteria of happiness has evolved over a really long period of time um as of today and for a while now uh, it's about having the inner peace you know and i think if i have to maybe recommend a spot test for anybody that whether or not a person is happy i just ask him to sit alone by himself for 5 minutes mm-hmm. because i know of a time when i could not do that which meant i was not happy like uh, by alone you mean not using anything right not using your phone or doing yeah, something absolutely, else yeah absolutely absolutely in a silent room without electronic gadgets sitting in your own company if i have to put it that way mm-hmm. and and i find that an increasing number of people are not able to do that yes in today's time i mean i'm thinking can i do it <laughs> i'll have to try okay. you should <laughs> i'd say that is a very uh, spot and a rapid kit test of happiness according to me that's totally my personal opinion mm-hmm. and uh, i w- once i notice that over a pe- over a really long period of time i am able to do that i came to this conclusion i am comparatively happier than i was than how i was what i was at mm. that particular point of time mm. and if there are moments there are times there are days when life is not so kind and for whatever reason uh 
And again, I come to that same test. There are times when I find it increasingly difficult to sit on this very chair uh, for just five minutes and I find it difficult and it is an indication that something is wrong, either in, in externally or internally. And more often than not, it is internally. Mm. And I try to figure it out. I try to sort it. There are times when I need to, I think majority of the times I just need to let go of certain things. And when you say let go, what what do you mean by that? Let go of unnecessary expectations. Okay. Okay. Of other people, even from myself. Hmm. Hmm. Do you do you generally like? Do you generally think we expect more from ourselves, or people expect more from us from us? See, for somebody who knows that nobody expected anything out of me, <laughs> I think I expect. It would be, you know, I have always, I think I definitely, I at times expect uh, a lot more. And what happens is that, you know, certain things work out for you and you want to ma- maintain that tempo. You want to maintain uh, that feel, that groove. It's not natural, you know. A flatline ECG means you're dead. It has to go off. Honestly, what I feel is if you have, let's say, if you have accomplished a few things when you were in your school, you know, I mean, when you, if you got like good grades and people are appreciating you and everybody is now thinking that, okay, you can do something really nice. You always want to make those people happy, you know, and in that, in that, um, in that whole race, you would always want to do something which makes you look like you are intelligent. So, for example, getting becoming an engineer or becoming a doctor or a lawyer or getting into administrative services, these are things that that right away prove that you are intelligent. But if you want to get into, for example, arts or commerce, and now com- I, I do not say commerce is not intelligent, but, you know, it's, it was considered that way. You'll have to prove, you'll have to prove more. And I think that is also a reason why people think so much about these things, you know, and do not really follow or do what they want to do. As somebody who was part of the rat race, uh, I just say that you tend to realize it doesn't end, you know. Even if you decide that there's this guy and I want him to think I'm intelligent and that's how I'm going to feel intelligent. Mm. You may convince him one day. But then you'll see another guy and you'd like to convince him. But then we have 7 billion people on the planet. And as you and said, we might not be the be most intelligent person, right? <laughs> I am definitely not. I'm definitely not. I'm ready to give it in writing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's like the most confident line that I have heard. You know, I'm not the most intelligent person. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> <laughs> Period, yeah. <laughs> Okay. And there's one more thing that comes to my mind. Um, yeah, that I think that is something when uh, probably I was at the rock bottom of my life when certain things, um, I won't say realization. I just, it was a mental picture that I had in those times. You know, I think there is an axis of life. Uh, the axis of life could be very much within, within you and it could go as far as it possibly could. And I'll give you an example. Let me just give you an example from my own life. There was a time when I was part of the rat race and I thought, you know, I need to make good money. I need to be wearing good clothes, etc. So the access of my life was like way far from my inner self, my true self and my soul, if I had to put it. And that was a time when I was the most anxious. 
that was a time when i could not sit with myself for even 5 minutes and once i started to let go the access started to come closer and once i started to come closer then the things about me start started to revolve closer to me and you know then from something which is totally abstract and uh, extraneous once it starts to get uh, get closer your anxiety reduces uh, once you're able to get it inside you i think that is a time when you are comfortable with yourself the way you are even today i have like so many fallacies uh, in the way i am in the way i think in the way i look but i'd say i'm relatively less anxious about them i think a lot of people think this way and a lot of people are struggling with figuring out what is it that makes you anxious and if you can actually figure out if you can actually find what are those things that you are seeking and is it something really in your control and is it something that is really worth it do you really want to you know undergo so much of stress and pressure and anxiety for things that are that are not really I don't know I mean I don't know how important they are you definitely ha- need to have a good lifestyle for example but you do not necessarily need to have a BMW and if you don't have it I think it should be fine it should be yeah because so, then you would want to get a Lamborghini <laughs> yeah yes um so Rohit a last piece of advice from you now imagine somebody wants to get into administrative services um and wants to uh, you know utilize their time and resources in the best way possible what how how can they look at it um they need to get information the information is open source upsc declares it uh, in the most public manner possible then apart from that people should get in touch with the people who have cracked the exam in the recent past i'm not one of them so i i think i could just help uh such a guy or a girl get in touch with a person who has been able to crack the exam you know, in the recent past and uh, listen to their experiences you know they will have a lot of things to share as to what to do and definitely a lot more things as to what not to do and uh, after that it's about um just perseverance it's about maintaining uh discipline that's it and at the end of the day accepting what it is yeah that's like the mantra of your life right <laughs> yeah i've broken my head over so many useless things <laughs> okay um yeah i mean that that's this was such a nice conversation um, rohit i absolutely loved talking to you thank you so much for taking your time and sharing your experiences and knowledge thank you thank you so much i had a great time you know a lot of things that i shared uh, some of them were I think this would be the first platform ever for me to share certain things because I was pretty sure that if I said that to any other person I know I would be termed a lunatic. <laughs> why did you think that way? I mean, why yeah, why did that you say how, that? Yeah, that is how no, definitely I did try it and I was <laughs> labeled semi lunatic. <laughs> I mean I so, think honestly uh, some of my friends who are uh, one of my friend is still preparing for IAS I think he's already given um, two or three attempts um now he is exclude like extremely secluded and I don't know what he's doing right now but I feel like if you really want to get into I mean you have to get into that that zone you really have to get into that zone to be able to prepare for it you cannot just want and things happen it's not that kind of life that you can expect <laughs> 
So yeah, so I can I can expect some sort of lunatism <laughs> from somebody who's preparing. <laughs> but then but then it's also said that uh, how do you say it? There's a very 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 thin line between being sane and insane, right? So we, we See, are all I'll there. I'll tell you something which which my senior uh, told me. He used to give us lectures on psychiatry. He was a trained psychiatrist, and being a psychiatrist, he told this probably on the first or the second class that. Uh, till the time you're not labeled a lunatic by the world, you won't be able to break any glass ceiling. Yes, now I'm I thinking wrote about it. it. In my diary, actually. <laughs> yeah, now I'm thinking about it. I mean, anybody who who really brought in some change, um, yeah, what did not really care about how people see him or her, right? I think he, I think people do care. It's not possible given the fact that you're a social animal not to care about. Uh, what is being said or thrown at you uh, but the people are able to do it despite that and that is what makes them over there of course you would care um, of course it would come to your brain but I think what you want to do that is so much more bigger um, and has so much more um, I don't know importance that this basically diminishes down right yep thank you so much thank you thank you so much Priyanka Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If in case you guys are interested to know more about different career opportunities, know about what people exactly do, how did they reach there, or are just interested in behind the scenes of people's stories, feel free to follow us on Instagram or send me a connect invite on LinkedIn.